2020 taught us nothing is that things can change at any moment. Welcome to Her Money Club Stories. We do not talk about budgets, retirement, or the hustle and grind here. We talk about money, time, and energy freedom. We are here to reimagine our relationship with money, to collaborate and celebrate other women who are doing the same. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to explore your passions and monetize your skills and talents and what lights you up? Can you even make money and a living living that kind of life? You can. Her Money Club allows you to explore all of the possibilities to create the time, money, and joy your heart desires deep down. Tune in as we guide you in reimagining your relationship with money. Hello and welcome everyone to Her Money Club Stories. My name is Rachelle Minnie. I am the founder of Her Money Club. The intention for these amazing discussions is to collect women's stories of how they've overcome various challenges related to money and life and the journey that unfolds. And I'm really excited to share with you today that we have Caroline with us. And similar to my journey, Caroline is also a financial advisor and supports millennials with money mindset, with investing, with creating the plan for their dream life, and more specifically, implementing it. So that is the lens we're going to dive into today. So make sure that you actually get out a pen and paper, because I think we're going to give you some really good feedback and insights into why something might not be working out for you and what you can do about it. And so with that, I will actually open up to you, Caroline, to just share a little bit about yourself. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to be here. You've had some amazing people on in the past. And so I'm honored to be a part of this and to share, you know, my story and what I've seen with clients. So I run my own wealth management practice. So I do everything for clients from, you know, strategy sessions to building an actual financial plan to doing the implementation. And that ranges in everything from trust and estate, retirement, education. And we're really just focused on helping people build out their dream lifestyle, right? We all have these things we think about and it's like, okay, now we have to do the work and figure out the financials behind it and let's make those dreams our reality. So it's very rewarding. Um, And I mainly work with millennials and women, especially. um, And it's, it's so rewarding to kind of see all these dreams come to fruition. Awesome. I always like to ask because I think it's important to understand like how you kind of came into this industry. So as a woman and knowing that there's very few women in the financial services industry, how did you decide or how did you come to this type of role? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's um, one of my favorite stories to tell. So, you know, I have to fully credit my mom. Um, she was one of the few women. She was one of um, the first women in the finance graduating class in her business school back she'll kill me if I say a date. So back, back then a while ago, (laughs) yeah, a while ago, um, she'd probably say prehistoric, but that's okay. So she was in finance, um, was very fortunate to have entered the world and, you know, faced a lot of trials in the banking world. But so when she came home, you know, every day, she didn't want that to continue. So she would teach me things like how to balance a checkbook. Like here's where you keep bills. Here's where like things that we don't even think about that 
you know, my mom would sit down and like would take the time and would be like, this is what you have to know. And back then, you know, as a six, 10, 15 year old, I probably wanted to pull my hair out. But, you know, as I got older, I realized this is not something people talk about. So she helped me fall in love with finance. And I'm like, I don't want to just sit at a desk. And so, you know, when I learned about financial planning and wealth management, I was like, this is it. This is everything I want. I'm helping people with finances, build their dreams, you know, the whole gamut. So I actually went to college and studied financial planning and wealth management, and then started my career at Merrill Lynch and then spent several years there before, you know, transitioning and becoming independent. Awesome. That's incredible. And I love that that's like your passion and that you are in the industry because it's your passion. It's mine as well. So we're going to give some really good tidbits today. And I asked uh, Caroline before we started, you know, what's the one question that most people come to you and ask you for help on? So we're going to dive into that. And what was your answer? It was the whole financial basics. I mean, back to my mom again, it's everything that she taught me that I think you know, the millennial generation, which I'm a part of, we're not taught about these things, right? It's very swept under the rug. And, you know, the joke that I always get from clients or prospects is they're like, yeah, I could tell you the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell, but um, I could not tell you the difference between like a high yield savings versus a savings. And it's funny because, you know, people come to a financial advisor thinking you're going to get like all these high tech strategies. And I start back at the basics with them. And I'm like, we need to make you a budget. And they're like mind blown by it. Yeah. Um, and so it's, it's kind of crazy to see how we've gotten so far and, you know, yeah. it hasn't been addressed. Yeah. I was reading a forum the other day and there was just like this dialogue around what are you invested in? And some of the answers were, I'm invested in a 401k. And it's like, yep. okay, <laughs> that's not really what you're invested in. Yeah. So I understand you kind of get it, but you really don't get it, get it, right? So yep. I would love to share with the audience just, just some tips around like some of the things that come up for us. So mm -hmm. for that specific example, a 401k is the type of account. You have IRA mm -hmm. accounts, you have 401k accounts, you have individual equity accounts, which are taxable. The others are tax deferred or tax free. So there's multiple types of investments. And then there are investments or sorry, types of accounts. And then there's types of investments. So maybe you want to share for the audience from a education perspective, like what are the types of investments that someone could get? Let's go with 401k just to be yeah. easy. Yeah. So types of investments, I feel like it's become like a blanket strategy or like term that people have used. They're like, yeah, I'm invested. And then it's like, okay, but you're invested in what, in what type of account? And so I think kind of like the basic concepts that I always tell people and especially clients, I'm like, you don't need to know like the details of like, what's a beta, what's an alpha, but you should know that for example, a stock, you own part of the company on the flip side of that, there's a bond, which is debt, right? So they owe you the money and it's simple things like that. Do you have cash? Okay. But cash can be different things, right? Is it in a money market? So a money market is paying you typically a higher interest rate. Um, you also have CDs, which are starting to become popular again with rising interest rates. Okay. Is the CD going to keep rolling over? Um, so I think it's, you know, people just hear like buzzwords and they start jumping into it and things like that. Um, and it's also, it can be the types of investments you have. Are you invested in value stocks, growth stocks? Um, 
for some people they're like I don't want to know I don't want to get into the weeds with that which I tell them is totally fine but you know for people who want to know it's a growth stock is something like you know an Amazon had been a growth stock for a really long time whereas a value is something like Coca-Cola AT&T that are typically paying dividends so that's a very blanketed wide answer but it's almost like the way we use the nuances and people hear like the buzzwords on Reddit or CNBC and it's like there's a lot more detail underneath it. Like you can't just brush all that under the rug. Um, So that was very roundabout. So (laughs) feel free to add anything on top of that. That's perfect. I think it just kind of, again, we kind of place certain questions in there. And I think that's the biggest value that we can add to um, the audience that's listening is like, what questions can they be asking so that they can get deeper, so that they can get comfortable with uncovering and discovering this whole investment game or um, anything related to money, really. So kind of going along that lens again, uh, like what are some of the biggest questions that people ask you or the Mm -hmm. biggest nuances what else typically comes up with millennials? It's interesting too, because I feel like millennials, like we have to be encouraged to ask questions. And so that's always the, the rule of thumb I give anyone I meet with. I'm like, there is no stupid question because I would rather you ask me than you either not knowing or finding it somewhere in the wrong place. And, you know, when, when you have this resource right here, so And I think it's amazing because now more than ever, we have resources like, you know, advisors, your podcast, like there's so much out there that I'm like, take advantage of it and be willing to ask the questions. Um, So I can always tell when like somebody I'm working with is a little timid. I'm like, just ask, like, if you don't know what a stock is or a bond is like ask and so many people will be willing to help you and like find the tools and like utilize, like people ask me also too. another big one I get is, you know, how do I learn about this stuff? So like giving people resources, like recommending my favorite investing books or podcasts or shows where I'm like, Hey, even if you have five minutes of this, you know, you are going to set yourself so far apart compared to everyone else that it's, it's kind of a crazy world that we've been in. So that's the big question I get is like, how do I learn about this stuff? Um, and just providing the resources for them. Yeah. And I want to prepare like a different lens for this too, because I think for me, I've seen a lot of situations go sideways where I've met with clients and especially in the investment advisory world, and they were burned by a financial advisor. They weren't given good advice because the advisor was incentivized to sell products and specific products pay more than other products. So this was always a pet peeve of mine in the industry. It's, it's why I got out, but there are people like you who do the holistic planning and who do goal-based planning, which is really important to me to um, partner with because I want to make sure like anyone that I see as a client on the kind of mindset and like building out the lifestyle, I want them to have investment advisors and providers that will do them a good service, but also educate along the way. Like that's super, super important to me. So I think my question for you is what do you tell people um, who have been burned or have had a bad experience with another financial advisor? It, it's so hard to see that, you know, those people that come to me who have been burned because it's almost like I I hate to use this example, but it's almost like picking up like a dog from a shelter that's been like through a hard situation. Like you can tell they're scared and they don't know how much to tell you. And it's, 
it's such a hard situation because you know, I know who I am, right? Like when I go to bed at night, I know I've always done the right thing by the client. I'm not sitting here charging them endlessly to make money and ringing the cash register. Um, so it's almost like a, a time thing, like a time and a trust. And I go into those situations and I'm like, tell me what happened. Like, I need to know what happened and for you to share with me so that A, I can be sensitive of it. It's not something I would ever do, whatever it is they did to you, but I want to be sensitive of it. And then it starts when they share what happened to build that relationship. Um, for example, like I had a client tell me she got talked into purchasing a policy and had no idea what it was and like was so ashamed of it. She didn't show it to me for two years. Wow. And it was like, we're sitting down at breakfast one day and she like pulls it out and was like, I have this thing. And I'm like, okay, like, what is it? And so, you know, it's, it's a time thing and a trust thing and something like I try and share with my clients too. Like I'm a real person, right? Like I have a wiener dog. Like I'm, I love to kickbox. Like I'm a person. And I think too, when they see that they're like, Oh, okay. Like this is my friend. Like this is not, you know, the relationships they're usually coming from are there. I hate to categorize, but typically a male advisor who was a big dog that just wanted to ring the cash register on them. And it's sad, but it's once again, like the time and the trust and then showing them who I am. Like I invite them into my life and I love to share, you know, stories about my family and my dog and those things. And I think that's the difference. And that's where like a relationship forms. And that's who I want to be to my clients too. It's like, I don't want to just be that person that like calls you and is like, okay, today we're going to buy X, Y, and Z stock. You know, I'm going to a client's housewarming party in a couple of weeks. Like that's the difference I think, um, that I like to separate myself with. Yeah. I, I want to point out a few things that you mentioned because I think it's important and having kind of been through the industry and met a lot of different people, the most important thing, obviously with money is trust, but when you partner with an advisor, with a coach, with anyone who's going to walk you through anything related to money, you want to be sure that you feel comfortable asking questions, right? Like we already started yeah. with that, but then two, you do want to, even if they never come to your, you know, housewarming party, you want to have the feeling like you could invite them, right? Like mm -hmm. that sense that like, yeah, this is a person, a human that I would actually want around and want to yeah. introduce to family and friends and like feel comfortable and confident in that. And I think that's another part of, um, the journey for us as millennials, especially women is just getting comfortable communicating about money. So yes. along, along that lens, I know we could probably talk about this all day long. Um, yeah, that could be like an hour long. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> um, what's your advice to women who are not feeling comfortable talking about money? I think it starts small, right? So for example, like I said before, like finding resources, like listening to your podcast or finding YouTube channels that, you know, they need to be people that, you know, have accreditation to them and you can trust, you know, like you've been in the industry. I think, you know, sometimes there are people who pop up and you're like, where is this coming from? But finding accredited people that you can listen to. So that way you're like hearing it, right? You're hearing it, you're listening to it. You might not feel comfortable going out and telling your friends, no, hey, I just got a $30,000 raise or things like that. But I think it's becoming more secure about it in at least your own self before you can start bringing it outwardly. Um, 
And that is like the nice thing too, for people who start working with an advisor is, you know, they have a duty to you to have confidentiality and, and share. And, you know, we're for the most part, not here to judge. I can't speak for everyone, but, and especially for like money coaches. And so, you know, it's different because it's kind of more of a therapy session. Um, so you might not feel comfortable talking to your friends about it. And depending on how you grew up, it's tough, but like I said, like start small where you can like have resources, read books, and then like slowly build up to it where you're ready to talk to an advisor, talk to a money coach and things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And just like opening up the conversation and the inner dialogue first. And I love that you mentioned that and, and starting small with that first. So very specifically, I think pinpointing for yourself, like, where am I uncomfortable talking about money? Where am I maybe even having fears around money, whether that's because of the insecurity of, I don't know enough to even have the conversation, or I've heard other um, kind of limiting decisions where people just say that they're bad with math or bad with money, or they're bad at something related to that. And so they've just shut off the ability to communicate about it. And, you know, we're all human here, like you said, and it's like, we don't know everything, but we do have information at our fingertips to learn and to guide us. And, you know, experts like both of us who are able to help um, just along the path, along the journey. So, um, For those in the audience who are maybe making good money, have things like, we'll call it taken care of from the lens of like, they kind of just followed the traditional path, right? Like Mm -hmm. they invested in their 401k. They did what their HR person told them to do. They did this, they did that, right? Like they did all the target date fund. Yep. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. What, what do you feel like are like maybe some of the missing pieces or next steps beyond that they could, they could really expand into? Yeah. I think it's then starting to look at like trust and estate planning. And from that, I don't mean like, do you actually have a trust, but I mean, do you have a will? You know, I think something is like people don't talk about is medical directives and people think that falls outside of the land of land of finance, but it really doesn't because if something happens to you, money is the first thing people worry about, whether it's to pay your bills, if you're incapacitated or all those things. So I would think it's, or I would say it's just setting up those simple documents, like a will, make sure you have beneficiaries. Um, You know, you can get a second look at things and have, you know, professional, if you wanted to, you know, something I do is like one-on-one strategy sessions where it's like just doing like looking over everything and saying, okay, where are the holes? for people who aren't trying to jump in to do a full financial plan. But I think it's, you know, if 2020 taught us nothing is that things can change at any moment. Um, and so we need to be prepared and, and doing a lot of those like simple trust and estate documents are the perfect next step, especially if you have kids, do you have guardians for your kids? It's, and things kind of accelerate from there. So HR is never going to tell you to have a will or things like that, but it's, it's a good next step for people to have. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Wills and powers of attorney. Those, that's where I would would have gone next to. And just going outside of like the realm of, um, I want to call it the status quo, but that's maybe not the right term. It's, you know, you have all these resources that are just kind of naturally by default in front of you. So mm-hmm. create and design your own path of learning, right? I feel like when we leave college, or early high school, it's like, 
we just haphazardly go through the world and like have no direction of like, (laughs) unless we're intentional about it, right? We have no direction about learning more. And I think that's like the biggest thing I've learned since college. Like I get to continue to learn. And the best thing about it is I don't have to pay, you know, thousands of dollars to college to tell me what to learn. No more student loans to have it. Right, right. And I get to choose whatever the hell I want to learn. So make it worth your while and really learn from people that you enjoy learning from, really understand the process of expanding your financial literacy and money mindset and um, ability and capacity to build wealth, which I actually want to talk about that with you. But when you do that, that then just gives you more confidence, like just being able Mm -hmm. to think in that capacity and expand yourself in your own lens of education, however you want to. So along the topic of building wealth, what, like, how do you, I'm trying to think, there's so many questions, but yeah, it's a a big one to unpack. What angle do I want to take? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Talk to me about building wealth and how you do that with clients and kind of the process you use or what you would advise them on. Yeah. So, and it's such like a loaded area of like building wealth. And so for, for a lot of people, it varies, right? So a big one I see with my clients is, and this kind of goes back to like the our generation of student loan thing is um, them wanting to set up 529s for their kids. And so many of them are like, I want to make sure I pay for my kids to go to college so that when they are done, they're not saddled with this forever, or they want to help them um, put down payments on their house. And so it's, it's planning for things like that. And that kind of goes back, goes back into the goal-based financial planning that I do is I'm like, okay, so if we want to have 20, 30, 40,000 to give to our kids for the wedding or for the down payment of the house, you know, let's start saving for that now, right? You know, it's a goal. And it's once again, like that, that area of time, when you have more time to do things, it makes things so much easier than, okay, let's scramble and sell things and pull from this account. And so the building of wealth comes back to planning and knowing, I think also what your goals are too. So knowing if you want to send the kids to college. And so things change too, you know, we set up buckets or accounts for things and it's like, I want to send the kids to college. Okay. Well, you know, Johnny doesn't want to go. Well, how else can we use that money? You know, there's a lot of implications in there, but it's, it's setting up the plan and knowing I want to build wealth. I want to help my kids. And, you know, to some extent sticking to that plan, right. It is so easy to go and say like, I want a new Tesla, you know, I'm going to buy it. Everyone's talking about it. Like I want one, but then it's also realizing like, Hey, I just bought a new car three years ago. Might not be the right time for this. I have bigger goals and dreams. Um, and, and realizing like building wealth is a conscious decision every day and sticking to your plan. Yeah. I, I love that building wealth as a conscious decision. And it truly is in the minute details of, do you have a latte every day to, you know, do you save into multiple buckets of money for short-term, midterm and long-term plans? And one of my big education points, especially when I was an advisor, was helping people fund the middle term part of their life, like the part Mm -hmm. where you're living it, right? (laughs) Not just retirement. Yes. Yes. No, that's so true. So what advice would you give people on how to fund the middle term part of their life? Yeah. And I think you raised such a great point. So I'm so glad you talked to people about that because we think about like, what do I want right now? Or what am I going to do when I retire? And then people forget, like, there's a lot of life 
that yeah. goes on in between. Um, so it almost goes back to like an envelope fund. It, it sounds silly, but it's like, I have clients set up accounts just for certain things, right? So I had a client that wanted to take their grandkids and their kids to Disney World. They were not yet retired. So they're still kind of in that middle living life section. I'm like, okay, you want to go in three years, take the whole family, treat them. Let's, now that we know that, let's in this account specifically put money towards that. And it's like that reminder of like, you know, I'm not just going to spend money. You want the memories and everything. So it's, it's almost setting aside the money and saying, okay, this is what it's for. Or, you know, I want to travel the world or things like that. So I always encourage them to label, like make separate accounts and then label them for what they are, because it's easy to go in there. And once again, be like, oh, I want a new bag or I want this. And it's like, when you see the name on there of what the account is for, you're like, oh, this is for a, a bigger purpose. And then, you know, that works really well in terms of funding for that middle stage of life, because if not, the money just leaves, right? It goes into the retirement account. We spend it on other stuff. And then next thing you know, we don't have money for that middle of life stage. Yep. Absolutely. I love the the labeling and like bucketizing system. And a lot of bank accounts nowadays, so if you don't have one of these, get one, allow you to kind of bucketize your different dollars, if you will. It's not a whole different account number, but I know Capital One, Ally Bank, um, personal capital is a really great resource, resource to just put your accounts into different buckets with those labeling systems. So that to your yeah. point, it's easy. And if you want like that new fancy Louis Vuitton bag, cool, make a bucket for it, right? Like everything yes, it needs a bucket. <laughs> everything can be bucketized. That's totally fine. No judgment on what your buckets are, but like do yeah. yourself a favor and a service to label it, plan for it, and really identify where you get to go. Um, in the middle term part of your life with all these different savings yeah. and building wealth endeavors. So I love that. All right. What else shall we talk about? Um, I always ask everyone this question. So okay. it'd be curious. I'll be curious to see what your answer is. What is your it. biggest fear with money personally? Oh, that is a good one. That's actually one that I, you know, unpacked a lot during the pandemic is, um, and it comes from like, you know, I work so much with clients doing their money work and, you know, figuring out their things. And I'm like, I have to practice what I preach and like have everything done for myself. And so part of that too was changing my relationship with money. And, you know, I grew up during the 2008 financial crisis. Um, I spent a lot of time with my grandparents who grew up um, during the great depression. And so when I was unpacking everything, I was like, I've grown up and in a lot of like survival mode situations. Um, you know, so it's like, you know, my grandparents would save everything because, and, you know, part of unpacking it was like, I have to understand that they grew up in a time where they were hiding money under the mattress because they didn't know what tomorrow would bring. Um, so for me, like my relationship with money is like, there's some of that scarcity behind it, but it's the reminder of look at how far they came, right? If they can survive that, you know, we've survived world wars, we've survived um, terrorist attacks, you name it, like all of these things, a pandemic now, um, there will always be something, but there's, you always survive. And if not, you won't be here. So you won't right. need the money anyway. Like, <laughs> you won't even worry about it. <laughs> you won't even need to worry about it where you're going. So it's fine. Um, and so I think that was like the, the realization to me is like, there will always be more like you can go out and do different things. Like 
you are so well educated and experienced that there there doesn't need to be the scarcity but it's also I think the realization and that I have with so many of my clients I'm like where does this come from you know and and you need to be honest with yourself of like okay like I was raised around these different world events and we were surviving during that time but those were short-lived periods you know we now need to thrive as well Yep. One of my favorite questions to ask in a mindset is, you know, who told you that? Who told you you had I to love it. operate that way? Who told, you know, when you pattern interrupt someone and who told you this, they realize like, oh, like, where did this like stem yeah. from? Where does this start from? And usually to your point, it's like childhood or they grew up with mm-hmm. grandparents or someone around them did actually say money doesn't grow on trees or, you know, yep. everything in Tupperware and like save it all and whatever. <laughs> Hiding right? in the books and whatever right. else. Yes. Right. Hide money. My, yep. one of my, um, my college boyfriend hid money in his computer so literally like the back of his computer like ugh, i don't even know i was just like where did you get this like when it was like big gateways yeah yeah and i'm just like so random like what who who told you this was a good idea <laughs> so Is just think safe? like right <laughs> probably not fire. yeah yeah it's gonna start a fire and your money's gonna yeah. burn <laughs> and then it's gone yeah it's not fdic insured you're done Right, right. But it's just like things like that are are funny to recognize and realize like, okay, yeah. why am I making these decisions with money? And who told me it had to look this way, right? And that's really where it opens up for people like, okay, I am limiting myself in how I'm operating yeah. with money because I'm making these decisions. So how can I think about it differently? How can I recognize the feelings I'm having, whether it's guilt-based, fear-based, shame-based, yeah. and really understand that that's where I'm operating from and com- completely shift and repattern and retrain myself, decondition myself rather. Right. And I'm so glad that that's something you're doing with people because that's where it starts, right? Like I can pick out, you know, any investment under the sun. And, but if, you know, somebody isn't starting at square one and understanding like, why do I not want to save money? Why do I not want to invest money? Like, what's my story? Anything you do after is a, either not going to happen or be useless yeah. because you're going to, exp- you're just going to implode. And even if, you know, you save a million dollars in retirement, but you haven't gone back and figured out why you're afraid to be a millionaire, as soon as you start retirement, it's going to all get spent and blow up. And so you need to start from square one and understand how you think, how you experience it and if, and how you need to change that. Absolutely. Talk to me a little bit about how you help people implement a plan, like either your process. Yeah. So the the way I kind of describe what I do is I'm like, we have point B of where we want to get to. Here's point A where we're starting. Okay. Now we need to bridge. Like my job is to build that bridge and that plan. Um, So it varies a lot for different people, right? So it depends on their age and things like that, but it usually starts with, okay, how much do we need to save? And how are we going to be saving that in different buckets, right? Does it need to be retirement money? Does it need to be dollars that we need to access pre-retirement? So it's going to be taxable money. Um, or is it honestly just going to be savings because you need it in the next year or 18 months or even two years, especially with the way things are going with the market. And so really breaking things down. And I think that's the thing that scares people is they're like, yeah, yeah, I saved and I squirreled all this money in a bank account, but now it's just kind of sitting there and they're like, what do I do with it? And they'll show me like hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in cash. I'm like, 
A, you're not earning anything and B, it's not working for you. So I do a lot of that too. And also figuring out risk tolerance is a big one too. And, and people grossly over and underestimate the risk tolerance. No one is ever spot on because it goes back to that like psychology of their story. And people are either like, I'm so afraid to put money in the market. And I'm like, well, you're 32, 33, 34. You have so much time to go. Like you need to be doing this. And then I'll have people who are in their like fifties and sixties that are like, I want to buy IPOs and crypto and all these other things. And I'm like, we're not a young chicken anymore. <laughs> we do need to start planning a little bit for yeah. retirement. Yeah. Like, and not like the people silver in. bullet you're looking for. <laughs> right. And they're like, I want to get rich quick, like alternative investment. I'm like, okay, well you also want to retire next year. So and it's a lot of like grounding people. Um, and some people, it's even honestly helping them realize like to implement these things, people don't even know what it is they want. Right. Like I met with a client a couple weeks ago and I'm like, so what is it you're trying to achieve? And she goes, I have no idea. She goes, I know I'm supposed to retire at some point. I'm like, okay, like let's unpack that. Like, what are your dreams? What are your desires? You know? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of crazy. It's like, I guess I should buy a house. And I'm like, but do you want to? Like, <laughs> what do you want? And so it's in order to implement, we really need to have like the two pieces of like, where do we want to go? And where are we? Yep. Yep. And that's such an important place to start with. I mean, really anything in life, what do you want? And even asking in different Mm -hmm. ways, right? Like just sitting with and journaling about like all of your desires, the outcomes, the you know, if you could just dream big, like we at a very young age, stop dreaming, stop imagining because yeah. it's kind of beat out of us through our education system. Yeah. And so we just have to, again, recondition ourselves to, okay, at, at five, we knew, we knew we wanted to be firemen and princesses and this, the Disney right? princess. Like yep. We were determined to be those things. Right. So just embody your five-year-old self and identify, okay, what do you want? You want the castle, you want the shoes, you want, cool. All of that is possible, but you got to acknowledge and admit that that's what you want and be honest with yourself about it. Yeah. And I think it's also admitting that like, it's okay to want those things. Like I feel we've, we've really conditioned ourselves to be like, it's not okay to want more, to want money. And I'm like, there's people that are going to get rich and make money doing awful things. Right. And that's kind of the way of the world, but there are people that are making a difference and making a change. Or, you know, I always say, you know, I love the quote, um, money in the hands of the right people does the right thing. So maybe you're like, I want to make this money and I want to donate it back to a charity or be able to do this work. Um, and money kind of gives you that, that power to do those things. It also gives you the power to buy nice things, but I think it's, you know, there is the both sides of the coin where I'm like, you can do powerful things as well. And kind of getting rid of that stigma of like, it's so bad to want these, like, it's okay to want certain things. Yes. Wealth with impact is what I like to call it. It's really reimagining again, like how much wealth can you imagine possibly maintaining so that you Mm -hmm. can make impact. A lot of women have like this kind of self-imposed ceiling of like, well, I just need a million dollars or 5 million or 10 million, whatever that threshold is. And when I try to expand them beyond that, it's like, okay, what if you double that number? What happens then? Like freak out fear mode. It's like, 
what yes. what would you even do with that and it's like that's what I want you to dream about right it's again right. not about you and having everything for you it's like what impact could you make on the world around you what value could you add if you had more money to do something with like you could do some amazing things and then they kind of go crazy and they're like yeah I would have a dog shelter and do this and do that it's like yeah, yeah be in that very dumb be in the energy of creating and being inspired to live the best version of your life possible. And I think that's what just inspires me to keep going and keep building community around this is having more and more women expand their identity around money and wealth and like making an impact in the world. So I love that you are on the journey with me. And yeah, no, that's awesome. You, you did the best way phrasing it. I'm like, I need to like take your words. And- <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. Steal my words awesome. out of like we are in collaboration. Same mission. Yeah. This, so. No, I'm we're totally on the same mission here. I love it. I love it. Oh, awesome. All right. Before we wrap up, please share with everyone how they can connect with you. And if you want to share any programs or projects you've got going on. Yeah, of course. So I am on LinkedIn. You can find me. It's Caroline Tannis. And then it says CDFA afterwards, my designation. Um, I'm also on Instagram at Tannis Fin Group, F-I-N-G-R-O-U-P. Um, and I am actually a really branched out. So we'll be launching a financial basics course coming very soon. So we will be tackling that problem of why have we not been taught the financial basics? And then I also offer one-on-one strategy sessions for people as well as comprehensive financial planning. And I love working and, and with and hearing from people from all different walks of life and who are ready to get to the next level and really embrace all of the financial education we can offer. Excellent. I love it. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank I you. really enjoyed this conversation. This is so- awesome. Thank you. Take care.